be advised, we understand some of the content of this presentation may be emotionally triggering in nature. Please listen as you feel comfortable. Everybody. My name is Jocelyn Hampshire. Um, I'm the director at Toward the Goal Ministries in Sugar Creek. And I am here today with Molly McMath, who is the executive director at Compass, which is uh, a, rape, a rape crisis center here in Tusk County, Stark County, and Carroll County, correct? Correct. Um, and Robin Bowdish. And uh, Robin is the East Region Coordinator for Ohio's Look Beneath the Surface Human Trafficking Awareness Grant. That is correct. Awesome. So it's good to be here, ladies. Thank you. We are starting off our first series of podcasts, or our first podcast in a series, um, and we're here just representing Tusk Against Trafficking. And I just want to talk a little bit about who we are, uh, TAT, as we say, our acronym. Uh, but basically, Tusk Against Trafficking, um, we started in 2016 with a small group of people, um, but just with, with this anti-human trafficking coalition uh, made up of professional agencies, uh, faith community, uh, individual members um, that have coming together, and our mission is to unite to combat human trafficking in our county um, with the vision that we can live in a community that's free of human trafficking. Uh, so um, that's why we're here, um, and just to bring awareness um, to our community um, and, and bring some um, eye-opening things, but some things of how, to, how can we get involved. So this, this series specifically, or this session, we wanted to focus on Human Trafficking 101. But I know we've got some uh, more coming that we're going to talk about some really interesting things, uh, some red flags, uh, internet safety, some of those things, um, and practically how can we all get involved. Um, our last session in particular I wanted to draw attention to, though, uh, because starting today, Listeners can submit questions uh, about anything they have about human trafficking, any questions they have about human trafficking, anything uh, that pertains to that. Um, and so we, I'm going to give some contact information at the end of, of this session. But um, so I just I'm really excited about what we've got and, and what we can uh, bring to the table and just to involve everybody and have a community discussion, so to speak. Um, so, Robin, um, just in, in talking about human trafficking 101. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about what is human trafficking? Okay. Um, according to the Ohio Revised Code, human trafficking is um, the exploitation of uh, men, women, and children for commercial sex or labor through fraud, force, or coercion. So all three of those caveats have to be met in adults to prove uh, someone was trafficked. The fraud, the force, and the coercion. Um, so sometimes you know, some of those are, are a little bit iffy. Um, coercion, uh, you know, it might be I think I was coerced, but somebody else thinks I wasn't um, because somebody told me I needed to do something because I loved them or um, because it would make me a better person or um, along those same lines. But, but the reality is, in plain language, human trafficking is basically um, stealing somebody's freedom for a profit. I mean, that's, that's I think, the most basic definition. It's modern-day slavery where uh, others will profit from uh, the exploitation of a person. 
Okay, so there's, and, and, and I've heard you mention there's sex trafficking and there's also labor, labor trafficking. trafficking. Is that, okay. that is correct. Okay. And, and so um, I think people are a lot more aware of the sex trafficking piece, but labor trafficking definitely occurs. And I think labor, for Tuscarawas County, labor trafficking is a real concern for us here with the agricultural and the industrial piece. Okay. So we'll, we'll sure we're going to actually have a session on, on labor yes. trafficking, a podcast on labor trafficking. Yes. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Um, Molly, um, I know that um, we've seen, we know human trafficking is happening here in Tuscarawas County. It is. Um, and we've identified victims, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, and we know that if we've identified victims, which if it's a hidden crime, we know there's probably a whole lot more and also a lot that are at risk, right? A lot of individuals. So Molly, um, in your line of work, how have you seen human trafficking in our county? Well, I think when we think of human trafficking, I think we automatically go to what we see in movies, right? The red light district, the kidnapping, girls and women being chained in a room. And that's not really the scenario that those of us working in human trafficking here in our community are going to be familiar with. Um, but it is here. It is in Tuscarawas County and human trafficking does occur in rural communities. It's just going to look a little bit different. And so a lot of times um, human trafficking is being done by family members or a significant other. They could be trafficking out um, a family member or significant other for um, money, for rent, for drugs, a number of things. Um, it could be somebody that we know, you know, a friend, um, a friend of a friend, right? Um, there's more connection rather than that stranger that comes up out of nowhere is typically what we see here in our community. I think what we want to remember is we don't really have this red light district. You hear a lot of people talking about that, right? When you talk about cities and we don't have that here. We can have our loved ones sitting at the dinner table with us, but they're still being trafficked, right? So we need to be really aware of what that looks like here in our community and knowing to, to not think about what we see in the movies, right? Um, sex trafficking is going to be done more in our everyday life here, um, happening. It can be after school. It can be happening out of the home. Um, and so we really have to be more vigilant about what we're seeing going on in our neighborhoods. Um, we also want to remember, like Robin talked about was the labor trafficking, and labor trafficking is occurring here in Tuscarawas County. And I'm glad that we're going to have a podcast just dedicated to that because I really think that more attention needs to be put on those victims of labor trafficking in our community. Have you, Oh, go ahead, Robin. I, I think the thing that we have to remember, too, is that these, um, these traffickers are... Uh, they're basically perpetrators, and they are constantly looking for victims. And so having said that, um, they might recruit uh, individuals through online platforms like gaming systems, like um, uh, all the different kinds of apps, the social media, the various social media accounts. Um, they 
try to build relationships with their um, their victims. And that's one of the things whenever I've done presentations on human trafficking, I get a lot of questions about, well, this isn't what I thought I was going to hear. I thought I was going to hear how to how to get my uh, child, my young person to protect themselves against the uh, guy in the cre- the creepy guy in the white van who's going to come up and pick them up. No, that is not at all how it is. These these perpetrators build relationships either with the victim, the families, both. Um, and again, as Molly said, it could be a family member um, who just sends her daughter out, sends his or her daughter out on a with a guy every night. You know, he comes to the house, picks her up and away she goes and then comes back. So it could be somebody who's living right under your nose. And this is happening in the house next door to you. Also, uh, these perpetrators will, or traffickers will pay peers to recruit for them so it could be um, one of your uh, one of your teenagers friends who might be grooming them to become a victim so these traffickers uh, take on many different forms and that's why it's very difficult to spot them and figure out exactly what's going on you know that's why I like what we're doing because if we don't know what we're what we're looking for it's what's easy to miss but if as we talk and as we can, we can flesh out some of these things in future podcasts, what to look for, the red flags, the grooming process, I think it's really going to be helpful and not to scare people, but actually make people more mm-hmm. aware and give them some tools. Human trafficking is a very hidden crime and it does take a lot of work to learn what those red flags are, to raise awareness and to be able to speak up. Yeah. Okay. Plus, it's a big moneymaker, which makes it very, very lucrative for the traffickers. And they don't really care how many people they get involved to uh, secure victims for them. Good point. Good point. Okay. Um, You know, when I was thinking about who is vulnerable, and I think it's important to, to know, and just to be, for awareness sake, anybody can be trafficked, correct? So we're talking uh, gender any race, uh, any socioeconomic status, um, you know. Any age. Any age, that's, okay, yes, excellent. So, but I think there are things that make certain people more vulnerable. And I think that's what traffickers look for and prey upon. Um, And so some of those things, I'd like to talk about some of those things because I think that's important. Um, So please jump in. But I know in the work that we do with mentoring and working with young people, um, that that youth is a vulnerability factor. Um, and so I think of, you know, we work with with uh, kids that um, are from all over the spectrum from, you know, where they have a lot of great, healthy relationships in their lives and some that don't have as many. And I think that's important to recognize that that is a vulnerability factor when there's a loss of supportive or connected, stabilizing relationships in their lives, um, that that can make young people vulnerable. Um, I think of, of having a history of, of sexual abuse um, where those boundaries have already been um, demolished, so to speak. And, um, and so that is, is something I think we need to be aware of. Uh, we also work with young people um, that are in the juvenile justice system or in the foster care system. And that just really um, unsettles me as we have thousands and thousands of kids who are aging out of our foster care system. Um, And there's really not a whole lot of safety nets there 
for those young people as they age out. And so um, it really may, you can see how they become vulnerable to um, someone that comes along and offers them some security, um, so to speak. You're absolutely right, because um, the, the youth that seem to be highly vulnerable are the youth who have experienced some kind of past trauma, whether it be sexual assault, um, uh, conflict, domestic violence, any kind of social discrimination. So it doesn't have to be girls. It can be boys. It can be um, gay individuals who uh, identify as being gay. Uh, anybody who doesn't seem to have a place to fit and that support to go with it. And um, according to the Ohio Children's Defense Fund uh, Kids Count data for 2018, Tuscarawas County had 144 uh, children placed outside the home. So they would have been in foster care or juvenile court, which you you mentioned that. Um, That's a population that's highly vulnerable, just exactly for what you said. Um, Also, there were 621 grandparents identified as raising grandchildren. Um, So again, those kids are vulnerable. Um, because they don't have um, the same support system um, that uh, other kids do. And and I just want to also say, if we know there are 621 grandparents, there are a lot more than that, because there are grandparents who are raising their grandchildren in informal relationships, not necessarily formal relationships. That's a pretty high number. Um, So we definitely have kids that are at risk. Uh, another uh, vulnerable vulnerable population, if I could talk, is um, the unaccompanied minor group. Um, according to the Office of Refugee and Resettlement, um, which is through the Health and Human Services on the federal level, um, from October 1st, 2019 to May 31st, at Tuscarawas County of this year, Tuscarawas County received 98 unaccompanied minors to be placed with sponsors. So that puts us third in the state of Ohio. And that's really interesting to me because um, the counties that received more were Hamilton and Franklin. And um, so if you look at population-wise, percentage-wise, we received more than those counties on a percentage basis. Um, So highly vulnerable population because they really aren't connected. And we don't know anything about their sponsors, and there's a lot of disconnect between them being placed and them being connected to our community. I was going to say, talk about that a little bit, either of you, with unaccompanied minors. What and some people might not know what what is an unaccompanied minor, you know? And okay. so, um, so if a, a young person under the age of eighteen comes to the border, uh, that and says, I have a sponsor in Tuscarawas County. It's my uncle, and I'm going to use air quotes, my uncle or my aunt, uh, some relative. That young person is transported to Tuscarawas County to the address that they give uh, the the, uh, uh, immigration uh, people, and they are just kind of left there. Somebody, not, you know, they knock on the door, somebody answers the door. As long as that person does not have a criminal record, they receive that unaccompanied minor. So in almost all cases, there are no home studies done. Um, there are no major background checks. There's no 
contacting school districts or local services to say, hey, we're bringing this um, this this child here um, because the I, I'm assuming this is my assumption that the um, the individual who's the sponsor will take care of all of that. Um, in some cases, what we've become aware of is that these sponsors have never met these young people before. And so when anybody goes to check to do follow-ups, there's nobody at that address anymore. There's nobody by that name in the community and nobody knows where to locate them. So again, highly vulnerable population. And that unaccompanied minor number is actually how um, Noah's Hope Child Advocacy Center got involved with the human trafficking initiative because we became very concerned about where these these young people were and what was happening to them. Okay, so so they become extremely vulnerable being dropped off at someone's house. We don't know who these people are necessarily. Um, vetting is a little bit scant, um, mm-hmm. it sounds like. Um, and so what can happen to these Well, they have kids? no resources um, and they have to pay the person who brought them. And they have to, uh, in some ta- some cases, not only are they paying the person who bought them, they're paying to live. They're paying that person for their living arrangements. So um, what we've heard from, uh, from a couple of the local school districts is that these kids are enrolling in school as they should. Um, they are leaving school, going to work in factories in other counties, outside Tuscarawas, and then working till three in the morning, then falling asleep in class and, um, you know, not being able to do their homework because they know they need to pay the person who brought them here. Those people, this is kind of where the, uh, where fraud, force and coercion comes in because those people are saying to them, you have to pay us or you're going to get sent back or something bad's going to happen to you or you're going to go to jail or, you know, there are all these, um, uh, all of this uh, coercion type thing, uh, thing discussions that are going on with this person. And, and in many cases, that person was sent here because the home life was so bad. It's better for them here to be living that kind of life than it is to be, uh, sent back yeah it breaks your heart so um yeah so again extremely vulnerable population um yeah among others um molly you had mentioned um substance abuse and obviously kids that are growing up in that kind of home as well um that are being exposed to substance abuse uh, would become vulnerable as well they would i would add i think another population that sometimes we maybe don't think about um are the young adults, those in the 20s, right? They've graduated high school. Um, they may be off to college, and this is their first time away from, from home. They're now away from their support systems. Um, many college students, if we remember back on those days, right, um, cash was not flowing freely. Um, and so they are an easy um, target for traffickers, right? Right. They are without a support system. Um, they need cash, right? And this is their first time. They're feeling like an adult. They can make their decisions, um, not realizing, 
right? Traffickers are using that coercion piece on them. And they love to use social media. They do. To, to tell everybody what they're doing. And the, the other piece of that is young adults have a lot of ambition, right? They have their whole lives ahead of them. What are they going to do? And I can remember, I, I grew up here in Tuscarawas County and I can remember graduating um, from high school and I wanted to go, right? Like you, I think most high school graduates have dreams of moving on to a great big large city and, and traffickers know that too. And it doesn't take long for them to learn what aspirations an adult has. And so a lot of times it can be using their dream, right, of a certain career or of a certain location um, to also make them vulnerable to the trafficking. And so, and just as Robin had talked about, um, you had mentioned the, the trauma, and we see that in adults. Adults that are suffering from past trauma, whether that's from sexual abuse, domestic violence, um, that also makes our adults vulnerable as well. Okay. And, and I, that's a, a really good point, too, when you mention adults, because that's another thing that makes human trafficking difficult to identify because there is no set age that you can say, okay, when you're when you're 20 in your 20s, you, you're going to be human trafficked because we see um, we see babies, we see toddlers human trafficked. Um, we see parents. Uh, there's a case right now in Ohio where um, parents are being held responsible. They uh, were uh, inviting people to come into their house. They were photographing sexual acts with a two year old. And um, they thought it was okay because they were getting money and money from the person who was coming in and doing it. And they were getting money from these videos being shown. So it was a long-term thing. I mean, this, it's just a, a, it's a moneymaker. It's a horrendous moneymaker and people think it's okay. So you have that, you know, that really low age of toddlers, infants, going clear up to adulthood. So there's no one set population that you can say is vulnerable to human trafficking. And the traffickers are smart enough to figure out how to target each population. Mm -hmm. Speaking of, um, we've talked about several populations. Molly, can you speak to boyfriending? Just that idea of of, of how recruiting um, boyfriending and what that can look like that process can look like or no um well there's a lot examples of that are you specifically asking about somebody approaching in a boyfriend role yes to traffic yes okay yes so that um, is a very common example of trafficking. And it's one that we've kind of discussed about befriending, right? Um, they can meet accidentally, and I'm going to put that in quotes for, um, for those that can't see us, accidentally meeting someone. Um, they can meet at a party. They can meet online. They can meet a, on, a, on a dating app. Um, but they will take the time to get to know that person, 
right? As Robin has says, this is a billion dollar industry, right? Um, you invest the time, right? So they're going to invest the time to befriend this person, get to know them. Um, look at what their insecurities are. Are they miss, do they really want to feel loved? They're going to give them that love they feel. Do they feel that no one supports their decisions? That trafficker is going to say that he supports her decisions. Does she feel that nobody um, believes in her? That trafficker is going to believe in her. And he can become this great boyfriend. He's going to buy her all kinds of things that can she's never buy had. her things. He can um, promise her things. But he's probably also going to start um, isolating her, right? A little bit. And that can be moving her to a different location, either by moving in together or, or going on a vacation or, or whatever the situation may be. Um, but that's the goal is to get her to trust him, to get her to believe that this is love. This is what real love looks like. And little by little, he can break down her, the barriers or the um, boundaries that a person has. Um, I think we can all sit here and say what we would never do in a relationship. But if they can get you to remove that one boundary, then that's the foot in the door and they can get you to keep removing boundaries until now they have something over you. And that is starting to look less like love and more like control and power and coercion and threats. Okay, thank you. And, and when you talk about the, the cost involved with human trafficking, what we know through the uh, Polaris Project statistics is that it's a $150 billion industry. And that's only the money that is traceable because there's money laundering. There are hotel rooms that are purchased. There are um, Ubers, taxis, buses, airline tickets, things like that, that we don't have a monetary value attached to. But you need to think about this as a $150 billion a year industry. And just to back what Robin is saying, um, if you can wrap your head around the idea that there is a drug problem in your community, then I think we have to open our minds to the fact that there's also a trafficking problem in our community. Um, with drug deals, you have one baggie of drugs, right? Mm -hmm. And you can mm -hmm. sell it one time for whatever that going rate is. When you're trafficking a human, you can sell that over and over and over and over. And so you can see where that can add up very quickly monetarily. And the average age of initiation into human trafficking is 12. And that doesn't mean that necessarily mean that a 12 year old is human trafficked. Um, but what it does mean is that these traffickers start grooming these kids, these predators start grooming, grooming these kids at age 12. And if it takes them two years to do all the things Molly said, to isolate them, to get them to have that trust bond, uh, to get them to feel that love, using air quotes again, um, then they're willing to invest that because of the the money they can get they uh, they can sell a purse a person can be sold over and over and over many times a day um, many 
days out of a year, you know, 365 days a year. Um, and so that's what makes this such a lucrative and fast growing business. And, and the F, according to this was pre COVID statistics, but the FBI has um, indicated that 77% of kids who have online social media accounts or online activity uh, have been in contact with a trafficker knowingly or unknowingly at some point. So if you think about that, that's uh, three out of four, three out of four kids. That's a lot. And I'm glad you brought up the COVID piece because I think that's something that we need to recognize in where we are right now. Um, people are more isolated, right? Um, they're online a lot more and people, adults even, um, are craving social interaction. And so that is increasing the risk factor for human trafficking. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting, I think, to see down the road when we're out of this, how COVID has affected human trafficking. I don't expect to see a decrease from that. Well, and the interesting piece to that too is there's an increase in online activity, which, which adults have um, perpetrated with kids because we've told kids, okay, you have to do schoolwork online. You have to, you know, you have your club meetings online. Um, and then there's mom and dad working at home and saying, okay, I just need to get this meeting out of the way. Go do something with your, go do something, go occupy yourself. We don't care if it's online. We don't care if it's your iPad. We don't care if it's your computer, whatever, just do whatever. So kids have more uh, free time to, to be groomed. The, um, the perpetrators know this. So they're really honing their skills and spending a lot more time looking. And the other piece is that victims can't get away from their, um, their trafficker to make the hotline calls the, to, to get out of any kind of situation because everybody is trapped and isolated. So they can't really get away from them like they could potentially in the past. Wow. Yeah. So lots of vulnerabilities, um, lots of things we need to be concerned about and aware of. Uh, one question I get asked a lot is why don't victims of trafficking ask for help? So I'm going to throw that out, out there for you guys. What do you, what are your thoughts or what have you seen? Well, I know, um, through, through the years at Compass, we've helped a number of survivors that, um, had red flags for human trafficking. Um, and we might identify them as being um, victims of human trafficking. Not one time have we received a phone call from anyone saying, I need help, I'm being trafficked. Um, when you are in that situation, you don't see it as trafficked. And I think that is such a huge thing for, for all of us to know. Um, it's not where you can go up to somebody and say, I see some red flags for trafficking. Are you being trafficked? They're going to always say no. Um, and so I think that's a huge point, point of not asking for help because they're not identifying what is happening with them. Um, it happens over a period of time and slowly to where your boundaries are being broken down and you're not even really grasping what's happening. Um, the other thing that we have talked about many times, 
they are being controlled through force, fraud, coercion. Mm-hmm. Um, the threats are real. You know, if you try to leave, I will hurt your family. If you try to leave, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I will show your parents these pictures you've sent me. They're being controlled. And the threat and the fear is very real for them, um, which it should be. And so that's very hard um, to trust someone else on the outside when you've already trusted this person and now they're hurting you to turn your trust to someone else that you don't know who says they're going to help you. So it's very scary to reach out for help. Plus the the traffickers have carried out threats against these people. Mm -hmm. So, so these victims have probably been beaten, uh, have probably had very traumatic things happen to them and at the hands of their trafficker. And so they know that person is willing to go through with whatever that threat threat is. Um, The other thing um, is that that trauma bond that happens is so very real and so very difficult for somebody like me to understand or somebody like the, you know, a a general person in the community to understand. Um, I was in Muskingum County last week. Uh, They, they, um, there was a Senate state Senator who came in to talk about a bill that they were, uh, that they're working on in the state legislature legislature. Um, regarding human trafficking. And so one of the survivors who lives in um, Muskingum County came to the meeting. There weren't very many people there, obviously, with social distancing rules in place. That's it was um, pretty much of an enigma at this point in time. But um, this woman talked about the trauma bond that she didn't use those words, but that's what she was talking about with her trafficker. She said, it, she said I, I have so many locks on my doors and I'm scared to death that he's going to show up at any time. I've been away from him for three years and I'm still concerned that he's going to hunt me down and find me. And if he walked in the door now and he said, hey, you got to come with me, I would get up and walk out of here knowing all of you here would protect me. But he he could make me go with him just by looking at me and saying, come with me. And we've heard other stories of survivors saying that exact same thing. And to me, um, that is such a bond that I cannot understand. If I were there and I got out of it, I'd like to think there was no way I could come back. But she, she, um, she talked about how he, he would tell her, he could buy her things so that she wouldn't have to struggle, you know, all these things that she wouldn't have to do and that he could help her do. And again, extorting her vulnerabilities. And then he would have her um, back under his control. So, so it, that trauma bond is something that's really hard for, I think people who are outside the mental health system to really understand. I mean, I know I struggle with with that too um i think the other thing we have to to remember too is that these um these victims get involved with these traffickers because they want to have control of their lives they feel that um you know i i've got a really crappy home life i don't have money i don't have um i don't have anybody who loves me i don't have anybody who cares for me i can't make my own decisions and so this guy steps in and preys on their vulnerabilities and tells them, I can help you do all of those things. 
And so when they leave, they're leaving thinking that they're gaining control of their lives. So I don't, I feel like in, it's difficult for um, victims of human trafficking to really understand that they don't have control. Well, I think you bring up an interesting point, Robin, because some won't leave because what do they have if they leave? Um, I have no money. I have no support. Um, I have no resources. And so that's another thing that, that keeps them. And I've been yeah. in jail five times for prostitution. How am I going to get a job? What are my options? And I can go out on the street and I can get $300 a night. What are my options? Ma'am, I think labor trafficking, too, to address that. I mean, we know the fear of deportation if they're, if they're not uh, legally documented. And, you know, traffickers hold on to their, their uh, papers and documentation. So I know that, and we'll talk more about that again, but that's another real thing that, that we need to, to think about. And it just is helpful to understand um, the lack of identification as a victim, as a human trafficking victim, and then the, the incredible fear and control that has taken place um, can really give us some understanding so, um, Molly, I do have a question for you. Um, some people may think that victims agree uh, to be in certain situations. Um, I've heard some some things like that. How would you respond to that? Yeah, I think we hear this, especially um, more with the adult population. Um, they didn't want to do it. They could just walk away. There's nothing forcing them there. And I think um, this kind of go kind of goes back to what Robin had just said. Um, survivors of human trafficking, um, they're wanting control of their life, right? They, they're they're in search of something. And so to that extent, yes, they may have consented to, have a conversation with their trafficker. They may have consented to um, go someplace with their trafficker. They certainly didn't consent to everything that happens after that point. Um, you can't freely give consent when there is fear, when there's coercion, fraud, force, threats. That never equals consent. And so we need to remember that um, it may look like they're there willingly. The survivor might even think <laughs> that they're there willingly. And trust me, the trafficker is going to prey on that, right? Um, hey, you chose this. You pay the price now, you know, and that's just not the case. There can never be consent when you have all those factors of threats and abuse behind the scene. Yeah. Um, and I think that is incredible. I mean, we have to understand that. I mean, it's um, because when we understand that, I think sometimes we have a certain mindset that is erroneous. And so just to hear things like that is very helpful and enlightening. And a couple other things I want to add. First of all, on my trip to Muskingum County, um, the survivor that I was talking with after the meeting was also telling me about um, one of her friends who um, was given a date rape drug was um, basically kidnapped and um, was held captive and was forced to, to do things for the trafficker. 
um, when she uh, said she wasn't going to do it, um, the trafficker had heroin injected between her toes because the marks don't show up if it's between the toes. So they would keep her in a state where she um, she w- w- would consent. So there's that. The other thing, too, is talking uh, a little bit about the online exploitation type where these traffickers will uh, connect with people through social media and they might ask for pictures and the the person um, may say, no, I'm not doing that. And they're, you know, they may be very insistent. Um, and, and yet if they don't get pictures, what they will do is hack into, um, that person's social media accounts in other ways, like maybe a Snapchat. I, I'm not hundred percent familiar with all apps, but what I know is people think that their picture disappears on Snapchat after it's, after it's there so many seconds. And, um, and if that picture is snapshotted and somebody's saving it, the Snapchat owner gets notification of that. What I am also told is that people are using several devices to take pictures of the picture so that the um, person putting that picture out there and owning that Snapchat is not aware that that picture is actually being saved. And if it's an explicit picture, it will be shared um, and that person will then be extorted for more pictures by saying, hey, I've got this picture. Here it is. Give me more. Or, you know, we're going to share this. And as time goes on, that conversation becomes more and more um, involved. And that person becomes more and more involved with that trafficker in so that way. Back to the fear and control. Yes. Yeah, right. Okay. Um we are almost out of time here. So is there anything that either of you would like to leave with the listeners today? I'll let you go ahead first. Um, I think one of the hardest things to wrap our head around um, is that we have so much pride for Tuscross County. We're all living here, um, raising families, and it is a good place to live. And recognizing and acknowledging that we have a crime like human trafficking happening here does not make this a bad community. It makes it a community that wants to better itself. It makes it a community that wants to help those in need. And so I think it's okay. It's okay for us to acknowledge that this is happening here and to say that we want to work to bring an end to it. It does not mean that our community is any less great. And I think when we have everybody working together to end something as tragic as human trafficking, it just makes our community better. I agree 100% well said. And I think if I could leave everybody with one thought, it would be the old cliche, if you see something, say something. Um, And I would encourage you, if you see something that doesn't look right, if in your gut it doesn't seem right, call local law enforcement or call 911. Um, If you think nothing is happening or if you see it recurring, just keep calling because law enforcement uh, records those calls and each time there's a call, they become more and more suspicious. And one call might not be enough, but maybe three calls is good. And exactly what Molly said, um, 
just because this may be happening here doesn't make this a bad community. That's so true. I just, I, I want to say too, you know, awareness is just key. And again, why we're doing this, um, awareness is power. And I've had several people talk to me that, you know, I don't want to learn about this stuff because it's scary and it's unsettling. And yet it is unsettling. And so, but if, if I can say anything, let's learn more as a community because we are a great community um, to gain power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had um, a situation Um, I had an individual contact me via email uh, from another state and it was just amazing. She had, she had a relationship, a friendship with somebody close, close to home here. And she began to see some red flags just in conversations uh, with this person. And she was learning a lot about human trafficking where she was from. And so she contacted um, toward the goal, actually um, just did a Google search, um, for, for our county and was able to contact us, share some very concerning things. We were able to contact law enforcement um, who was able to go out and, and, and explore what was happening. And so that to me was incredible. Uh, and so again, awareness is power uh, versus um, let's not bury our head in the sand and hope it goes away because it's not. But because we are such a great community, let's stand together. And, and really get rid of this stuff, stand up and, and fight against it and become aware. Uh, so awareness is power. Um, Robin, if, if, that's the, if that's what we really want to encourage people, just to become more aware, learn more, where can people learn more? So we have a, a, a website that has some really wonderful resources on it. It's www.tuskagainsttrafficking.org. Um, Our email is also on that page. Uh, You can also find a lot of information, Ohio-specific and Tuscarawas County-specific, at the Ohio Human Trafficking Task Force's website. Um, That's through the Ohio Attorney General's office. And I think probably one of the best resources we have in this area is our Facebook page. Um, so if you do a, if you go to Facebook and search for Tusk Against Trafficking, you'll be able to like our Facebook page. Um, we share a lot of information about what TAT, Tusk Against Trafficking, is doing. Um, we also share information and resources on ways to combat human trafficking, ways to recognize it. Um, information from the federal and the state level as well. Um, anything that has to do with human trafficking we're, uh, that's valid, we'll put it out there. Um, and, and again, the email is at our website page. It's info at tuskagainsttrafficking.org. Um, but yeah, we can be contacted there. We're actually housed at Noah's Hope Child Advocacy Center. So if all of that escapes your mind, if you remember Noah's Hope Child Advocacy Center and call that number, uh, you can be connected to us at what as well. Thank you. And of course, another great way is just to tune into these podcasts um, and you'll definitely learn some more about human trafficking. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, we do want your questions uh, for further discussion uh, for our last podcast. And so uh, to submit questions, Robin mentioned the email. It is info at tuskagainsttrafficking.org. Or you can visit our website, tuskagainsttrafficking.org, and you can uh, contact us that way as well to submit a question. So thank you, ladies. And thank, thank you, you, listeners, for tuning in.
If you would like to contribute to anti-trafficking efforts in Tuscarawas County, you can send your donations to Compass at P.O. Box 481, New Philadelphia, Ohio, 44663. Please be sure to indicate human trafficking in the memo line. We appreciate your partnership in this work. Together, we can make a difference.